What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Stroh, the CMO of W2O and the host of the What to Know podcast show. And we are um, broadcasting semi-live because you will hear this after the fact from the Health Evolution Summit. And I am speaking to Karen Ignani, who is the CEO of Emblem Health and was also a speaker earlier today. And we'll talk about that. Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Aaron. So um, you have an interesting background. You've done some amazing things. Uh, We mentioned you're at Emblem Health now, but prior to that, you were the president and CEO of America's Health Insurance Plans, formerly the Health Insurance Association of America. Uh, Before that, you directed the AFL-CIO's Department of Employee Benefits and were a professional staff member in the U.S. Senate Labor and Human Resources Committee and worked at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. So that's more than most people do in three lifetimes. So um, what spurred your deep interest in this sort of convergence of health and politics? I always loved uh, politics, and I was working with a professor uh, who had um, serendipitously been doing some research for HHS, and I indicated I wanted to come to Washington when I left college, and he said, well, contact this individual. Turns out that individual was running a section of HHS that was estimating national health expenditures, and it just so happened that they needed someone to do the grunt work. I was honored to be asked to help with the grunt work, and I learned a lot about unpacking healthcare expenditures, where, what are the sources of funds, what's the distribution of funds. From there, I moved to Capitol Hill, where um, I learned a lot about, I was on a committee staff, so I learned a lot about writing legislation, how to do it, how not to do it, how to create consensus, how to blow up any consensus that had been created and all the, re- all the lessons you learn as a lo- young staffer. And um, from there, I got recruited to go to the AFL-CIO and where I ultimately ran their policy department. And as part of that, one of the things that we were particularly responsible for doing uh, is to help unions uh, save their benefits by thinking um, and actually helping them evaluate options that could achieve that objective. And one of those options at the time were HMOs and PPOs. From there, I got recruited to go to the association that represented HMOs and PPOs. So that's how it happened for me. And from the from AHIP, that's how I got recruited to go to Emblem. So it was, I feel in, in many ways, coming to Emblem, which was started eight decades ago by Mayor LaGuardia to create affordable health care choices for working families. I feel that I've come full circle. I was from a working family. My dad was a fireman. I served working families at the AFL-CIO. My dad and my mom were both union members. Um, and here, um, having the privilege of thinking every day about how do we do the best job for people who need healthcare coverage, they need a navigator through the healthcare delivery system, which is very complicated, and they need to have um, a safety valve so that both financially, socially, and health-wise. And so it's been, I do feel I've come full circle in this job, bringing all those different experiences together. I feel very lucky. 
Well, in I think well-deserved. I did men- mean to mention, because I'm a New England guy, that I noticed that you're from Rhode Island yes. originally, went to Providence College. Mm-hmm. Indeed, first class of women. I was very excited. Yeah. Well, Taught it's, me I how th- to work with men. Yeah. Very good lesson I, I, for women. I, I would agree <laughs> with that, uh, because Providence, for those that don't know, is a... Um, Basket- it was a basketball school. It was very male. Yeah. And I didn't know much about basketball, and obviously I'm not a male. So I had to learn to survive. It was, was, was good Rick lesson. Was Rick Barnes there while you were there, or was that... Marvin Barnes. Marvin. Marvin, yes. Okay. Marvin was a, a very, well, Ernie DiGregorio, Marvin Bar- Barnes, and all of those guys. They were, they, they preceded me, but um, they were certainly known to everyone in the community because uh, the community adopted. Um, for now in my new city, New York, um, I kind of keep it to myself that I grew up a Boston Red Sox fan. And then, of course, now in Washington, having lived there for so long, a Washington Nationals fan. So... I have to keep that to myself as well, but I've learned about the Mets and the Yankees, and of course, I love I love baseball. See, I knew when I first met you that I liked you. I didn't know exactly <laughs> why, but as a uh, died in the wool Red Sox fan, yeah, I love baseball. By the way, are fourteen and two right now. Best yeah. record, best yeah. start, uh, a season ever for them. Well, so. it's all about pitching, it, isn't it? It is all about <laughs> pitching. We'll keep that one tucked away uh-huh. though, so the New York people just pretend you didn't hear okay. that one. Um, I do want to mention that you are often mentioned, as I was doing my research, as one of the most effective lobbyists and most powerful people. In healthcare, not hard to see why, and especially based on your background. But what is your reaction to that? How did you, you know, how do you think you've earned that that position in the uh, in the industry? I'm very grateful for people who have said such kind things. Um, I think um, you need to prove yourself every day, and that's sort of the ethos that I grew up with. Um, again, when you're from a working family, no one has gone to college before you then you have, it's a marvelous set of circumstances because you have the opportunity to write your path and write your own story. And so I've always worked very, very hard. And in my role as CEO, both at AHIP and now at Emblem, I just have always believed that the CEO should be the hardest working person in the place. And I think that sets a tone, it sets an expectation. So I'm always very grateful for people who are very kind to, to observe uh, what they think about performance. But I do believe that it's important to start every day anew and perform as well as you can. Old fashioned, I know. but Well, it's interesting. I do have the luxury of interviewing a lot of CEOs and, and senior execs. And it is a trend that I see where they traditionally are the hardest working yeah. people and they're up way early in the morning mm-hmm. and all the way through the day and travel like crazy. So and you don't sleep very well. No, you don't sleep very well, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about em- Emblem Health and your mission and purpose. Um, it's, uh, it, it's actually very interesting. It's unique in many ways. One, it's part of a, a declining breed, I'm sorry to say, of health plans. Uh, we're a not-for-profit plan. Um, there are not that many not-for-profit plans left in the delivery system um, for a variety of reasons. We're also very unique in the sense that we have uh, an embedded physician partnership. So where, for everyone, the sophisticated people listening to this, we're Kaiser without the, ho- without the hospital. We have a very vibrant physician group. It's one of the largest in New York. And we're very excited about that, and it gives us assets that um, other plans don't have in terms of care management, in terms of population health, and how to think about knitting these different services and functions together. We also have invested a significant amount over our eight decades in neighborhood organizations where people in neighborhoods can come and get help with preventive care, 
exercise, social services. They may have a question about their benefit, et cetera. And um, we feel really proud of that and um, have had a long-standing track record of really um, giving that personal touch to individuals who come through our doors. Well, that's a good segue because you had an announcement today. Um, by the time people hear this, it will be a few weeks back. Um, but you, um, with former Alphabet company CityBlock Health, uh, you talked about this partnership and how it would unite Emblem Health's long history of providing healthcare services to New Yorkers with CityBlock Health's innovative community-based technology-enabled services, so neighborhood meets technology, uh, to, to address social factors that influence health. So um, for those that may not have read about this yet, let's talk a little bit about what that partnership I'm very excited about this um, be, for a couple of reasons. One, I think the social determinants of health are one of the most challenging areas that we need to attack in our healthcare system. And so many people presenting in the emergency room or in a hospital these days or going to a physician's office have a behavioral issue or they have a social issue. They don't have a steady place to live. Um, we had an individual who came into one of our medical centers a couple of weeks ago that didn't have shoes and it was snowing and raining and one of our team members gave this individual his sneakers. Um, it was, um, I, we were so proud of, and that person didn't have to be asked to do that, which was um, quite um, stunning. And it just reminded me of why I'm so excited about this partnership to leverage uh, the technology that CityBlock has with the individuals that will be healthcare workers going out, working in the community, meeting people truly where they are, and ass uh, assessing their needs and strategically focusing what bucket of services we provide. I think that's a, a new story in healthcare, and I think it's going to raise the bar in what we mean by population health because it's personal health and it should be personal. Yeah, one of the things that struck me is um, a lot of times when people announce partnerships, some have more teeth than others. A lot of times they're sort of in theory, but you guys actually have a physical hub yes, that we you're do. creating. This is at your Crown Heights location mm -hmm. in the heart of Brooklyn. Uh, do you have a timeline for when yes. you're going to open that up? Yeah, we're well into construction now. Um, we will be launching in the summer, so not too far from here. And we're going to learn a lot, and we're excited about that. And we'll adjust on the way, and then we'll begin to think about how do we extend it to other populations and other health plans. Well, it's awesome, and congratulations. Thank you. And uh, I wish you guys nothing but the, the best on that one. I'll keep a close eye on that. Um, we are at the Health Evolution Summit, which we mentioned this gorgeous location at the Ritz-Carlton in Laguna Niguel, although most of us spend all day inside, so you don't really get to yet. see much of the, the <laughs> exactly. beauty. Um, but you did a talk. Uh, I hear with, rumors that it's nice out there. It, there are rumors. There's actually a video wall around the oh, corner good. that shows the beach. So if anything, you can I'll see the sure beach I'll be sure to look waves. at that yes. video. Um, but you did give a, a talk, uh, I think, right before you joined us here. Can you give us a little bit of a, a sneak peek as to what that talk was Yeah, about? it was um, facilitated by Andy Slavic, whom I've known for a very long time and think so highly of. He was the former CMS administrator, as you know. Uh, be prior to that, a very um, important executive at United Healthcare, And um, he really uh, probed the issue of leadership. Um, and how CEOs think about their jobs, what they need to think about, and what 
um, obligations we have to the people we serve as well as the government as our partners and things of that sort. And you don't really have an opportunity to talk about those issues. And I think given what's going on in our society, in our political system, it's important to ask leaders to reflect on ethics and um, what makes them tick and what kinds of obligations they keep in their own minds. Uh, I think those are not the kinds of conversations that we see and hear very much about. So I thought Andy did a great job of probing some of those issues. I hope it was as interesting to the audience as it was to participate in. Well, I'm disappointed I didn't get to see it, but uh, it sounds like it was amazing. And it is part of this current theme. I've been to a number of um, sort of invite-only conferences recently mm -hmm. with a lot of execs like yourself, and there is this sort of undercurrent, or, or not even undercurrent, explicit move toward corporate responsibility and not in a way that it mm -hmm. was in the past where it's really this morality and this standing up for what's right. Yeah. So that's nice to hear that uh, you guys were able to discuss Which is a that. nice development for our country, actually. Well, I think it's what's needed. And so yeah. if you can make lemonade out of lemons, yeah. um, that's probably one of the things that's a byproduct. Well, and to your point about it's needed, it should be what's expected. Yeah. And I think we probably had more of that back in the early days of America and then we sort of got lost along the way with some of the globalization and people getting very inwardly focused. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is what's needed today, right? Yeah, you can still be agile and you can still be bold and you can still be very quick um, and effective, but that doesn't mean that you can't also be ethical. Right, yes, they do not need to be mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. This is the point where I do like to take a little bit of a pivot and talk about uh, you and ask some questions that I like to ask all of our guests and help them get to know you a little bit better. And the first is, Tell us something about you that people may not know that you're willing to share. Well, you already teased it out. I like baseball very, very much. I, lo I love baseball. I like to run. Those are the two things that, you know, I don't really talk about very much, but I enjoy. So I have to ask, uh, have you been to a number of different baseball parks? And if so, do you have a favorite oh, other than maybe Fenway Park? Absolutely. My son played baseball. So every high school stadium in Washington, D.C., they are my favorites because it has great memories. And he played in college, too. So many college stadiums. Far, I don't I, know, no criticism to any professional teams, but so much more fun to watch kids play baseball. Yeah, much more intimate. Yeah, um, yeah. Have you, I'm assuming you've been to Camden Yards before. Yes, yes. I have. That is a nice ballpark. Beautiful. That's yeah. old-fashioned, you know, back they to really the future nice kind job. of thing. They did. Yeah. Beautiful. For, for those listening that don't know, that's where the Baltimore Orioles play. Before they played there, there was Memorial Stadium, which right. was maybe one of the worst stadiums <laughs> ever. It was uncomfortable. It's sort of like the A's Stadium now, which is... Well, and this one's right downtown um, in Baltimore, so that's great. I hope they never replace Fenway Park, though. Yeah, I, I know that they talked about it for a while, and then they, they the new ownership said, no, we're not going to do it. So I, I'm with you yeah, on that Yeah, the green one. monster needs to stay. It does need to stay. Um, the other thing I like to do is I like to ask our very smart guests to share any books that they've either listened to on audiobook or read in the last year or two so that our audience can help build their library. Anything you'd suggest? I love um, the Ron Chernu's grant, book on grant. Um, I didn't expect to. I didn't go I didn't start that book thinking I like Grant very much and now I have a much more holistic picture of the individual and it's always very important to learn what makes people tick and why they do what they do I also love Tom Ricks um, he wrote a great book um, maybe a decade ago that I loved about um, our 
exploits um, over in the Mideast, and he's written a, a new one. Well, maybe last year. It was out last year, but um, I was late in picking it up, and it was about um, Truman and MacArthur, and that um, stuck in my mind. I read all kinds of um, literature. I read fiction, nonfiction. I read The New Yorker religiously. I love their short stories. Um, that's where I first learned about the opioid crisis and the manipulations that went into the opioid, how we got to where we got, and it was a it was a fine piece of work. So I read all the time. I read uh, the uh, major newspapers in the morning when I get up, um, but I like reading fiction and nonfiction. I like your edition of a magazine because I think in this day of air quotes, fake news. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of people asking, you know, where do you get your news? Yeah. What do you pay for? I think more people than ever are really placing a premium on things like the New Yorker and Vanity Fair and the, you know, New York Times, etc. Yeah. Um, I do want to make one other comment, which is interesting. I don't know if you're aware of the podcast that um, the Washington Post did that was called Presidential. Yes. And so what reminded me of this yeah. is it's interesting to see what we sort of know or what we think we know about presidents and then what we really and then you read don't know about them exactly. what you read or what yeah. you hear in this very interesting these little digestible nuggets yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i actually like the uh politico women rule po podcast as well i think that's a lot of fun i haven't checked that out but i do love politico and mm -hmm. i do love podcasts mm -hmm. so i may add that mm -hmm. to my uh, channel mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. those listening in hint hint so you're getting a bonus a book and a magazine and a po and a uh, podcast um last but not least this is the deserted island question. You have one album you can pick to take with you. Which would it be and why? You know, it's really a hard question because you asked me this a little while ago and you were kind enough to give me time to think about it. And I would say anything with Stevie Ray Vaughan, Chick Corea, or Dave Brubeck, I would take. And I have to go with Brubeck um, if you make me pick one. And I have to go with that because I decided against anything with words because if I were on a desert island, I would have a lot of time to actually fill in the words. So there you go. Well, that's a great answer. And I will say I lived in Austin, Texas for six yeah. years. Oh. So the home of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, he's and then Chick Corea. Cool. Like, I don't think I've had many guests talk about jazz because he's one of the jazz, jazz. greats. Yeah, right? I know. So. I mean, we could, yeah, Coltrane. I mean, we could just go down the line. I, I just love that music. Well, and fabulous choices. Maybe we'll let you, because you're <laughs> such a smart and nice person. We'll let you take three with you. All right, cool. Uh, anyway, this is Aaron Sold. Strout, um, CMO at W2O, host of the What's to Know podcast show. I've just spent the last 25 minutes with Karen Ignani, who's the CEO of Emblem Health. She was one of the speakers here today at Health Evolution Summit. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you. Karen. It was fun. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at whogroup.com slash what to know.